Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the first Press Gazette Journalism Matters podcast. For edition one, we were recording live at City University in London at a special debate held to discuss the implications of the government's decision to back down on plans to drastically curb the Freedom of Information Act. All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome. Uh, so uh, you'll, uh, the sharp-eyed among you will know we've noticed we've hastily changed the title of this event because the, uh, the government, in a, in a dastardly uh, plan to, to undermine the campaign against free, uh, in favour of free information, have uh, actually uh, backed down on their threats to, um, uh, to, change, to change the law. They, uh, so um, the, uh, so we, 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 instead of sort of taking stock now, finding out, finding out, talking about what all this means, and... Um, and also talking about you know, what, the fu- what the future is for um, the Freedom of Information Act. Now, the, our panel are so uh, Jonathan Isaby from the Taxpayers Alliance, Heather Brooke, who's a, a professor, professor here, is that right? Um, expert, expert user of FOI, as a journalist. Obviously, the, the, the journalist who um, made one of the most high-profile FOI requests, which was for MPs' expenses, which indirectly prompted that great um, disclosure and sort of one of the greatest scoops ever, the uh, scandal of MPs' expenses in the Telegraph. And on the end there, we have Rob Evans, who's, it's your fault, isn't it, that the, <laughs> that the government reviewed the Act, so, sort of, because Rob um, was it, uh, fought, fought a long campaign for the government to disclose uh, the letters which Prince Charles sent to government ministers, which uh, was successful at the Supreme Court, which basically meant that the, government's, the government thought it could veto FOI disclosures. The Guardian's campaign showed that actually the, uh, the veto wasn't, wasn't really worth anything. Because maybe just to start with, um, with, he- with Heather, what, what do you think? Do you think um, we're out of the woods as regards the Free Information Act being kind of scuppered by the government? Or do you think we should perhaps uh, be, still be quite cautious about it? A little bit cautious, uh, I think, because... Um I'm, it's really a relief that they didn't uh, do some of the changes that they had uh, threatened to do. So one of the things they were thinking about was introducing fees so that every time you made a request, you would have to pay to have the privilege to ask for official information. And that's off the table. Um, there was also um, some uh, thoughts about basically kind of, I would say, furring up the process for the requester. It would become a bit harder in different ways to make requests. And so all that's off the table now. But in, um, I'm, I am skeptical because 
for example, when, when I won the MP's expenses case, it was a high court case. We had three of the, the court's highest judges um, gave their ruling on that case, and it was very definitive. There was no wiggle room in it. And even so, uh, twice, and once successfully, the um, MPs changed the FOI Act uh, through a statutory instrument. The, the one that was successful is that in the High Court case, we argued and won on the point that MPs' addresses had to be made public. And we made the point that they had to be made public because that was the only way you could, you could see whether they were switching houses from their second home um, to their main home because that was thought to be where the main um, scam and fraud was. And so in order to check that the payments were legitimate, you had to know both addresses. And Parliament made a lot of argument about how this was an invasion of privacy and it would be dangerous. And, and we won on all those points. However, um, a few months later, an MP called Julian Lewis made this, uh, he, he was very aggravated about this idea that MPs' home addresses were going to be in the public domain, um, which actually they had already been before they were in the electoral register. And he uh, introduced, um, he did this early day motion and it became uh, part of, it became an amendment to a, a totally unrelated bill. And what the end result of it was that it totally exempted all MPs' home addresses um, from the FOI law. A few months later again, they tried to introduce another statutory instrument which was even broader. And that was going to uh, exempt Parliament in totality from the FOI law. And um, the only reason that it didn't go through was because some journalists heard about it and it was in the mail and it became this huge sort of college celebrity and all the press got behind it, exposed it, and all the political um, will fell away. So that's why I'm a bit skeptical because even when it looks like they, uh, they're really not gonna make any changes to it, they have this habit evidenced by past behaviour of actually doing some sneaky stuff through these statutory instruments. Yeah, so they were quite, they were quite clear, weren't they? They said we will not change the law. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you wonder what else they could do. What, what do you think? Well, do you think um, we're out of the woods, or do you, do you think still, they could sneak something through? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the main thing I always think about freedom of information is that, you know, it's the public's right, and you've got to continually fight for it. And uh, it's sort of interesting, when the Act came in in 2000, uh, came into force in 2005, it seemed quite obvious that if you looked at how freedom of information had come in in other um, democracies, that the government will always come back and try to undermine it. And sure enough, in 2007, they had a go at it and were repelled. And they've had another go now, and they've been repelled. And I think that the thing that saves the Act is essentially... It's got a broad base of use, you know, a lot of people are using it and therefore they value it. And so when the government comes and tries to attack it, people rally around and defend it. And I think that's the process, that, you know, that will continue for quite a long time. And, what, and why do you think the government have uh, backed down on this occasion? Uh, <laughs> officially, I think the, the reason is uh, that there's been a lot of popular... You know, criticism, I think, unofficially, I think the big reason is probably that the Daily Mail um, got me, you know, started attacking the government about it. Once the government's been under attack by the Daily Mail, that's quite a difficult position to be in. What do you think, Jonathan? You, I mean, you, you, you were, you're a very big user of FOI. Are you, are you... And in the mail as well. And in the mail, yeah. I mean, are you, are you 
pleased with the, with the result? And do you think, do you think, having looked at the detail of all of it, do you think we're reasonably safe now? Oh, we're certainly pleased that the government are not going to change the primary legislation. Clearly, there were fears that it could do. Uh, it's not going to do that. And as Heather said, they're not going to introduce charges, which is jolly decent of them, given that you know, everything that we generally request information about is to ask what they've done with our money in the first place. Uh, so the idea of you know, charging you twice over to discover what's happened with uh, our money would, would have been particularly egregious. And you know, the Taxpayers' Alliance takes the view that basically anything being done by you know, politicians, bureaucrats, any wing of the public sector with taxpayers' money uh, ought to be subject to the highest levels of scrutiny by those of us pushing the bills, which is why we were delighted to be part of the very broad coalition you know, of journalists, campaigners and pressure groups from you know, across the spectrum. I mean, it was an incredible... There was a letter signed kind of last autumn by 140 of us from every different you know, perspective, um, you know, certainly across the political spectrum, um, and journalists, campaigners, you name it, we, we all got together to fight. And I think that's, that's the point. That, I mean, it was a bit like Ronald Reagan said, freedom is only ever one generation away from extinction. You've got to fight for it anew with each generation. Uh, and in our own way, the same thing goes for freedom of information. You know, you, you, there are no permanent victories uh, in a lot of these battles. You have to keep making the argument, because unless you do, you can get complacent and uh, think that... You know, you've got something that, that, that's immovable. I mean, to be fair, a lot of us thought uh, FOI was one of those landmark pieces of legislation that would be completely irreversible. Um, but, but no, it, it came up review. The, the review itself has basically uh, taken our position that we were on, on the right side and that they to, to, to give them due respect. And I, I gave evidence to the uh, commission. I, if you guys did as well, but you know they listened to the arguments we made and, and pretty much came down on our side. You know, but as Heather says, that's not to say that there are ways in which the government could use secondary legislation to change some of the detail of the, the processes in due course. So we, we have to be ever vigilant. So, so, so now we've got we've got the Act and it's ten years old and hopefully it's it's safe for a few years at least. Um, I'll start starting with Heather. Um, do you think? journalists make enough use of it and bearing in mind we've got uh, quite a few journalists and um, student journalists in, in the room this evening what, what would be your tips for how uh, journalists can make better use of FOI yes some of my students are here very good um, the main yeah it definitely is flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite 
of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's um, imperative on people to use it or lose it. I feel like uh, as, as, you know, there is part of the reason the government's... Uh, Attempt to stifle the law fail because there are there is such a broad community of people who are using it now. I mean, there's people on the right, people on the left. There's people of all different sort of interest groups, NGOs, all kinds of things, um, all kinds of organizations, and all all sorts of people who have um, come to understand why it's so useful. Uh, but the, the the delay, the obstructions, the kind of I would say the needless obstruction really puts people. I know, um, like, I really feel kind of sad for my students. My students, I sort of relive the destruction of my own idealism, I guess, about government when I, when I see, like, how, how they are when they get their first responses back. Because I think, like, you, you have this assumption that, like, government works well and efficiently, but at least you assume that it's going to be helpful. You know, it's going it's to actively try and help you. Um, but what I think the depressing thing that a lot of people find is that you find the opposite. You find, um, you find an attitude in a lot of these public bodies of a kind of gleeful malevolence of how to obstruct, obstruct you for, for no real apparent purpose. Um, and th- I find this really weird. Um, I think it's a cultural thing, I have to say. I didn't, I didn't experience it so much um, in America, but I, I did in certain bureaucracies. There is, there is a kind of uh, culture when a bureaucracy becomes quite insular, I would say, and it starts to forget who it's working for. So it's like where you say, you know, the, it's not so much the public's interest, it becomes the king's interest. And what I mean by the king's interest, not so much Prince Charles, but that's a, <laughs> a good example. But it becomes the interest of the bureaucracy itself. And so they start to serve themselves. And so they, they just want to, you know, they close ranks. They don't want anybody asking too many questions. They see any questions as being um, destabilizing and um, threatening. And so they just, they have this just big shield up, like, just go away. And if you're, if you're just attempting to use the law, it's, it's not just that you're attempting to use the law, you're, you're basically attempting to engage in civic society. You're, you're trying to engage in politics, actually. And this is your first encounter. Um, you know, and I also get really peed off with press offices at government departments who, as soon as you say... Um, you know, they'll, you want a comment for something. As soon as somebody says, oh, I'm a student journalist, they're like, oh, sorry, we can't give you a comment. And you think, well, why not? Like, should, these, these are people who, this is their first encounter, like, with civic society, and this is the experience you're giving them. Um, so I would love to see uh, some kind of enlightenment shine on, <laughs> on like, government bodies where they, they, they sort of realize that they're in such a... There's such prime position with, with, with younger people, like first-time users, that I always, I, I always kind of think you can, you can really use FOI as almost like a canary in a coal mine in terms of the, the, demo, the, the democratic quality and the efficiency of any organization. How well they answer FOI tells you a lot about the internal culture of an organization. It tells you if they're efficient or inefficient. It tells you if they're democratic or... Uh, very dictatorial and hierarchical. 
Um, and you can really make quite a lot of judgments about the quality of an organization based on FOI. So you almost, so almost need a sort of a cultural change, really. Yeah, so that, I mean, I guess I didn't, really answer, I didn't really answer your question about advice for the people making requests. I mean, at the moment, when we have the culture that we currently have, the main advice is to just be a totally stubborn and tenacious pain in the ass to those people. Um, because that's, uh, that's really what, what wins the day. <laughs> As like Rob and I will testify, with MP's expenses, it was a five-year you know, battle. With his, it was, what, ten? <laughs> so um, you've, got to, you've got to have a certain amount of uh, you know, tenacity to, to, take those, to take those long cases. But obviously, spending ten years on a story is not something that you know, many people have the time to do nowadays, is it? <laughs> in, the kind of, in the current uh, you know, online digital instant news era. I'm still doing other things. Well, Jonathan, what, what have you found works well? You, 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 you get a lot of headlines, don't you? A lot of page leads. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you find journalists make enough use of it? And what, do you, what sort of things would be your advice on how to, how to use it well? Yeah, and I, and I, I speak as a recovering journalist. Um, I, um, I started off life at the BBC as a political researcher, then was at the Daily Telegraph for four years, five years, uh, and then was at conservativehome.com uh, as co-editor for three years before joining the Taxpayers' Alliance. So I've, I've been involved. You know, I, I never really used FOI in those journalistic... Um, uh, roles I played, but you know, um, you know, have deep, deep sympathy for for what journalists do and everything I can to support them, and indeed, and indeed support student journalists as well. And you know, we, I do try when I when we get requests from student journalists to, to cooperate with them and, and help them, uh, not least because you know they clearly are the journalists of tomorrow, and you know, I'm always keen to cultivate good relationships from early stage. So. Um, if any student journalists and student, student journalists want to, to talk to TPA, well, I'm I'm always keen to try and help if I can. Um, and, a lot, and I just want to you know, further what Heather was saying about rather like the, the government press officer refusing to talk to student journalists, it's absolutely vital that FOI remains blind to who the questioner is, so that we are all seen as equals, as citizens, whether we be a journalist or a campaigner or a student or a, a concerned citizen who has got to be in their bonnet about something, it's absolutely vital that we're all treated as equal. I know there are some who were saying, oh, well, you know, you know, journalists should be charged for these things and you know, ordinary citizens shouldn't. Well, you know, where do you, how do you make a legal distinction between whether you're asking as Rob Evans, the Guardian journalist, or Rob Evans, the concerned citizen? I mean, it, it, that's absolutely preposterous. Um, and you know, again, one of the conversations I have with one of the government ministers who had sounded some more sceptical notes about the, the law as currently exists said to me, um, oh, I, you know, I, think, I think what the TVA does with FOI is very sensible, um, you know, but, but there are journalists who use it to go on fishing expeditions. And you know, frankly, you know, journalists trying to find interesting stories about what is being done by politicians with our money is, I think, utterly legitimate. In, dare I say it, politicians complain about journalists basing their stories on hearsay and rumour and gossip. Well, if they want some actual facts and some pieces of information, uh, suddenly the politicians want to crack down on it. I mean, that, that's absolutely preposterous. Um, 
I haven't really answered your question either, but I think I made some mistakes. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you ever go answering it, Rob? I mean, what do you, well, you, 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 so you use FOI as, a, as an aid to investigative journalism, really, don't you? And, I mean, do you, how, how, how powerful a tool do you think it is? And what, what advice would you give to people who want to emulate what, the kind of work that you do with it? Um, it's quite interesting. I, uh, I, I started at The Guardian in 1999 to do the freedom of information work. I mean, it seems a long time ago, but what we were doing then was actually trying to strengthen the Freedom of Information Bill as it was going through Parliament. Um, so I did, I found myself doing a lot of Freedom of Information requests then, and, um, but not so much nowadays. And I think that, I always think the thing with Freedom of Information is that in a sense, for us, it's more like a technique that any like any other technique you would use. You know, you go knock on someone's door and talk to them, or you'd go through looking through, you know, obscure government reports for facts that are useful. Um, they no, I think I think the best way of using it is really to to get information that you can blend together with other information, um, and sometimes you know they can result in you can look at pieces of paper, which uh, documents, which give you a lead to something else. You know, there, sometimes there's nothing there which gives you a story, but it might give you a lead to, you know, someone such and such was at a meeting. Ah, oh, let's go and talk to that person. Um, so that I think that's the that's the way I would use it. I think that's the best way of using it is to, to blend it together with other information you've got, um, and that would hopefully as a package, make something powerful. Thank you very much. So, I mean, just to summarise, great news the Act has been saved. Use it, don't lose it. Get those FOI requests in. Uh, be as annoying as you possibly can after you've got the FOI request in. And phone people up, don't just email. I mean, it doesn't occur to people to phone people up nowadays, does it? You send emails, but speak to a human being and you'll get a lot, and you'll get a lot more information. So thank you all for coming and showing your support for FOI. And thank you all, can we just say thank you to our, spe our speakers? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.